Supreme Court Justice Louis Brandeis served as Supreme Court Justice from 1916 to 1939 and is quoted in the case of New State Ice Company versus Liebman decided in 1932. He said that a single courageous state may, if its citizens choose, serve as a laboratory and try novel social and economic experiments without risk to the rest of the country. It was from this statement the following popular phrase was coined. The states are the laboratories of democracy. It's true then, and it's true now. And it's what makes this country so special. The states are the laboratories of democracy. Okay, let's do this. California and Wisconsin square off in this episode of Lockdown Law. On this episode of Lockdown Law, I will discuss two significant decisions. The first case is a decision from Wisconsin. In this decision, the court struck down the governor's safer at home order. The second case is out of California, which upheld Governor Newsom's ban on religious services because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Two different cases leading to two very different opinions will be examined. Both decisions were issued in May of 2020. Let's start in the Badger State, a.k.a. Wisconsin. To summarize, the Wisconsin Supreme Court has overturned the state's Safer at Home order and mandated that all future statewide restrictions to combat COVID-19 must be approved by the state's legislature's rulemaking committee before they can be implemented. Here is media clip one out of TMJ4, NBC, Wisconsin. Republicans in the state legislature are suing Wisconsin's Department of Health Services for an abuse of power. However, a Marquette University Law School professor believes DHS is operating within its authority. The Wisconsin Supreme Court is being called on by Republicans in the state legislature for the second time during the Safer at Home order, this time arguing the restrictions have gone too far, especially for businesses deemed non-essential. Republicans in the state legislature are asserting that when you had the stay-at-home order extended for a longer period of time, um, that this constituted lawmaking. Marquette Law School professor Ed Fallone believes DHS has the authority to make these decisions alone to protect public health during the coronavirus pandemic. It's limited in time. It's limited to the core powers of the public health department, which is to respond to an outbreak of communicable disease, and that this is clearly not a lawmaking at all. Governor Tony Evers declared a public health emergency in mid-March, designating DHS as a lead agency to respond. The emergency declaration is set to expire next week. 
However, Governor Evers extended the stay-at-home order past that until after Memorial Day. It's extremely high stakes. This afternoon, Governor Evers' chief legal counsel said there's no recourse if the state's highest court sides with the legislature. The Wisconsin Supreme Court is currently controlled 5-2 to two by conservative justices. Whatever decision they make will be binding, which is, you know, why we've said before why this lawsuit is so reckless and dangerous. Republicans in the legislature say if they win the case, they will get to have a say in a phased approach to allow businesses to safely reopen. State Supreme Court oral arguments begin tomorrow morning at 10 via video conference. Both sides will get 45 minutes to make their case. Ben Jordan, TMJ4 News. So here are some of the details. The Wisconsin Supreme Court struck down Democratic Governor Tony Evers' months-long stay-at-home order on May 13, 2020. The 4-3 decision marked the first time a state's high court has overturned a governor's stay-at-home order amid the COVID-19 crisis, as a majority of Wisconsin's justices sided with Republican legislative leaders who argued the governor's administration had overstepped its legal authority. That leaves Wisconsin as the only state in the nation without a single protective measure in place to combat the coronavirus, the governor's office said. In the lawsuit, it was contended that Governor Evers and Department of Health Services Secretary Andrea Palm could not continue to extend stay-at-home orders indefinitely without seeking approval from the state legislature. The legislative leaders took the matter straight to the state Supreme Court after the governor extended the Safer at Home order until May 26th. Attorneys for Evers contended that the governor and the state's top health official acted under clear emergency powers allowed for under state law. After the justices heard arguments in the case, during an online video conference, they ruled against the governor. In writing the majority opinion, Chief Justice Patience Roggensack did not weigh in on whether Evers and his administration's actions overstepped his constitutional authority. Instead, the court ruled more narrowly that Palm's order confining all people to their homes forbidding travel, and closing businesses exceeded the statutory authority granted by law to the state's health director during an emergency. What's interesting to me is the separate concurring opinions, because these separate concurring opinions went a step further. They contended that the governor's health director had overstepped constitutional boundaries. Here's a quote from the case. Where in the Constitution did the people of Wisconsin confer authority on a single unelected cabinet secretary to compel almost six million people to stay at home and close their businesses and face imprisonment if they don't comply with no input from the legislature and without the consent of the people. One judge asked during oral arguments, 
isn't it the very definition of tyranny for one person to order people to be imprisoned for going to work, among other ordinarily lawful activities? But the dissenting opinion warned that the decision went too far. They said, we are a court of law. We are not here to do freewheeling constitutional theory. We are not here to step in and referee every intractable political stalemate. The dissenters went further, slamming the court's decision not to issue a stay, to give lawmakers and the governor time to hash out rules to replace the overturned stay-at-home order. Ann Bradley wrote, The lack of a stay would be particularly breathtaking, given the testimony yesterday before Congress by one of our nation's top infectious disease experts, Dr. Anthony Fauci. He warned against lifting too quickly the stay-at-home orders. Those that contended that the governor's order went too far were criticized by some because they have not offered any legislation or plan of their own on how the state should balance reopening the state's economy and keeping Wisconsinites safe. After the decision and despite warnings from business organizations urging its members to reopen under certain health guidelines, social media posts and media reports showed Wisconsinites packing into some bars with little regard to social distancing and other state health guidelines. Now, the challengers to the Wisconsin lockdown laws won a similar decision before the Wisconsin State Supreme Court earlier this year, and this decision overturned Governor Evers' effort to delay the April 13th election and mail all voters a ballot amid the coronavirus pandemic. The ruling required in-person voting to be held as planned, despite what the governor stated would be a massive shortage of poll workers and a dramatic reduction in the number of voting locations. And despite this ruling from the Wisconsin State Supreme Court, the state's 72 counties could still issue their own individual directors, directives while Milwaukee and Madison still have their own stay-at-home orders in place. Asked if he took any solace in these backstops, Governor Evers gruffly responded, No, I'm the governor of the entire state. The idea we'll have 72 interpretations of what the hell is going on in this state isn't going to help anybody. The governor said, At the end of the day, we're going to have more sick people. So there you have it. The governor's response to the Wisconsin Supreme Court striking down his safer at home order. The next case is a case out of the great state of California. A federal appeals court rejected a California church's lawsuit, hoping to overturn the state's ban on in-person church services. 
the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled on a lawsuit brought by the South Bay United Pentecostal Church in Chula Vista, California. The lawsuit claimed California Governor Gavin Newsom and other state officials violated the church's First Amendment rights with stay-at-home orders issued because of the coronavirus pandemic. In a two-to-one decision, the court upheld the state's ban, saying it doesn't violate the First Amendment. Here's a quote from the case. Where state action does not infringe upon or restrict practices because of their religious motivation and does not, in a selective manner, impose burdens only on conduct motivated by religious belief, it does not violate the First Amendment, the ruling said. However, more than 1,200 pastors say they'll defy California state order and resume in-person services. Wow, this is interesting. Are we going to see a bunch of pastors in prison? So the plaintiffs in this case filed the lawsuit for a temporary injunction on May 8th, shortly after the governor announced on May 4th that the state would enter stage two of his four-phased reopening plan. But under that plan, Governor Newsom would not allow churches to reopen until stage three. The ruling noted churches are a higher risk workplace and we're dealing here with a highly contagious and often fatal disease for which there presently is no known cure. Here's a very interesting quote from this case. In the words of Justice Robert Jackson, if a court does not temper its logic with a little practical wisdom, it will convert the Constitutional Bill of Rights into a suicide pact. Wow, what a statement. It would convert the Bill of Rights into a suicide pact. Lincoln also said this about suspending constitutional rights during the Civil War. Judge Daniel Collins dissented from the ruling. He wrote that the state was violating the church's First Amendment rights to freely exercise their religious faith. Quote, by explicitly and categorically assigning all in-person religious services to a future phase three without any express regard to the number of attendees, the size of the space, or the safety protocols followed in such services, the state's reopening plan undeniably discriminates on its face against religious conduct, Collins wrote. We believe you are attempting to act in the best interests of the state, but the restrictions have gone too far and for too long, attorney Robert Tyler, who represents the pastors and the thousands of churches and ministries they lead, wrote in a letter to Governor Newsom. Even the Department of Justice sent Newsom a letter warning him that the state's plan to reopen during the coronavirus pandemic discriminated against churches. 
Another attorney, attorney Dean Broyles, who represents another church, said, constitutional rights cannot be suspended by a virus. Here's media clip two out of ABC 10 California. In Lodi tonight, a church that wants to resume uh, church services will not be able to. This is coming after a federal judge made that ruling. And tonight, ABC 10's Jock Maluka has been following this story. He has the very latest from the federal courthouse. That ruling came down just hours ago. The church had hoped that a federal judge would allow them to continue in-person church services despite state and county stay-at-home orders, all on the grounds of speech, assembly, and religious rights, but it was denied. The Cross Culture Christian Center filed the suit with the federal district court in Sacramento in late April. This came after they were locked out of Bethel Church, where they leased space, and Lodi police barred them from holding Palm Sunday services because all non-essential gatherings, which include church services, violate state and county stay-at-home orders. We as a church are pretty resilient. Um, our hope and prayer is obviously that, that soon the church would be considered essential as, as it should be. Pastor John Duncan argues church is essential and a constitutional right, even during the pandemic. His church hoped to follow CDC guidelines while it held in-person services, but a federal judge denied that request Tuesday, saying the state and county stay-at-home orders are not unconstitutional. Judge John Mendez ruled, rather, they're permissible exercises of emergency police powers, especially given the extraordinary public health emergency facing the state. This decision comes as the debate over First Amendment rights during the pandemic ramps up. In recent weeks, thousands of Californians at demonstrations across the state have defied stay-at-home orders to protest against them, including a major one Friday at the Capitol. While some arrests have been made during these demonstrations, law enforcement officials across the state are not flat out stopping them from happening. And another protest is scheduled at the Capitol on Thursday. Organizers call it a national day of prayer and say some 500 people are expected to show up. So this church argued in its suit against Newsom that the order was an abuse of power that criminalized communal worship while allowing people to frequent department stores, liquor stores, marijuana dispensaries, and other businesses deemed essential. The judge in this case, Judge, judge Mendez, said that argument missed the point because shoppers were going to those businesses to purchase specific items, not to commune with each other. He said a more relevant comparison, according to the judge, would be restaurants, concerts, movies, and sporting events secular places people gather that were also ordered closed. The judge said the state and local stay-at-home orders were a valid exercise of emergency police powers and didn't violate the church's constitutional rights. Judge Mendez also noted that the Supreme Court over a hundred years ago upheld the government's right to exercise police powers to promote public safety during a public health crisis. During public health crisis, new considerations come to bear and government officials must ask whether even fundamental rights must give way to a deeper need to control the spread of infectious disease 
and protect the lives of society's most vulnerable, Judge Mendez wrote. Attorney Broyle said, however, that the judge's rejection of a temporary restraining order will not stop them from pressing on with their case. He said, it's the first skirmish in many battles that lie ahead. Okay, there you have it. Two somewhat conflicting decisions from two different states in this great country. And there are certainly persuasive arguments on both sides. This conflict it could possibly make its way all the way up to the Supreme Court one day. So for me, it's interesting to think about how the Supreme Court would rule. Now, every case is different and facts certainly matter, but the U.S. Supreme Court would certainly look to precedent. And we learned what precedent is in Episode 1, the Korematsu versus United States case, and we learned why precedent is so important. The legal principle of stare decisis basically stands for the proposition to stand by things decided. So our Supreme Court justices are supposed to try and follow prior case law. Precedent, history are very important. So let's look at some cases in our past. The most interesting case I read had to do with the fear of yellow fever outbreak in New Orleans. So yellow fever was a virus that spread through mosquitoes causing headaches, chills, back pain, other conditions which killed many, many people. It was prevalent in New Orleans as far back as 1796 when under Spanish rule, and every few years, there was usually an outbreak, mostly during the summer months. So there was this ship, and it was carrying cargo, as well as Italian immigrants, that wanted to dock in New Orleans, but New Orleans would not let it dock, citing concerns over the spread of the disease. So the ship ended up going to Pensacola, Florida to unload the people and then back to New Orleans to unload the cargo. This case was decided in 1902 and I'm probably going to screw up the name of it, but I'm going to try. Campagna Francasi de Navigacion a Vapor versus Louisiana Board of Health. And again, this was decided in 1902. This case is, is very interesting to me because up to this point, there had been no general challenge to the constitutionality of a state quarantine law. So this had not been heard up until this point. The French steamship company sued the state of Louisiana because it would not let it disembark passengers, even though they alleged three things. The steamship company's first argument was there was, in fact, no illness on the ship. Two, the company could offer evidence that the state's supposed fear of the virus was pretextual to discrimination 
Okay, there's a backstory here. So remember how I said earlier that there were Italian immigrants on the ship? Well, around this time, Italian immigrants began arriving in New Orleans in big numbers, and they were met with fear, prejudice from New Orleans residents. In fact, in 1891, an angry mob lynched 11 Italians, one of the largest mass lynchings in U.S. history. This was after the city's popular police chief was killed, and he supposedly implicated Italians with his last words. Plus, many New Orleans residents feared that Italian immigrants would bring diseases into the United States. So that was their second argument, that the company could offer evidence that the state's supposed fear of the virus, virus was really just pretextual to discrimination. Their third argument was having to do with interstate commerce. And they argued that interstate commerce was being directly curtailed as some of the passengers on board would be headed to other states once they got off. Even so, the company lost and the court agreed that the quarantine was an uncontroversial use of state police power. Justice Edward White said Louisiana's quarantine laws were a reasonable exercise of the state's police power that conflicted with neither the Dormant Commerce, Commerce Clause nor the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. In another case called Gibbons versus Ogden, decided in 1824, Justice John Marshall did say at one point that state quarantine and health laws are considered as flowing from the acknowledged power of a state to provide for the health of its citizens. Another case decided in 1905 called the Jacobson case, established judicial deference to state health initiatives in times of epidemic as long as the measures were reasonable and proportional to the threat. In that case, the city of Cambridge, Massachusetts levied a $5 fine, probably a lot of money back then, to a Lutheran pastor who refused to participate in a mandatory smallpox vaccination program. In a seven to two majority, the court said the mandatory vaccination program did not violate the 14th Amendment because the state may restrict individual liberties under the pressure of great dangers. These cases are interesting uh, because they demonstrate the long history our country has with fighting diseases. In fact, not long after the adoption of the Constitution, the nation's capital at that time of Philadelphia was struck with a deadly outbreak of yellow fever, and people were fleeing the city. People fled in directions like Baltimore, but they were turned back at gunpoint. And listen to this, even Alexander Hamilton and his wife, after surviving the illness, had to undergo quarantine in Albany, New York, where they had fled. Another example 
is a 1797 Massachusetts law issued as a result of a fear of the spread of smallpox. This law provided that a person coming from any place out of this state where the smallpox or other malignant distemper is prevailing into any town within this state shall be obliged to obey the commands of select men to depart the state in such manner and by such road as the said select men shall direct. The measure made it unlawful for any resident to entertain in his house such a person ordered to leave once warned of the circumstance. Okay, let's recap. So, it does appear when you look at the past cases and laws that the courts have upheld state quarantine laws. The courts have given deference to the states to regulate health under the broad police powers. But are there distinguishing facts about what is happening today with COVID-19? For example, one could argue that what happened then was generally applied to everyone. And what is happening now is a bit different. Is the government picking the winners and losers? You are an essential business. You are not an essential business. Is the government favoring speech and assembly rights? You can protest, but you can't go to church. These regulations are changing and they vary from state to state and even county to county. But at one point in some areas, you could go to a liquor store and a marijuana dispensary but you could not go sit on the beach. Our governmental officials, while trying to act in the public's best interest, issuing rules that may backfire. For example, as of today in many parts of California, you can't go to the beach, but you can go to a restaurant. I've said this many times that, you know, public health versus individual rights is a tough balance. And I totally understand that this happens so quickly and we need to give some deference to government officials who I believe for the most part are genuinely trying to do what they believe is the right thing to do. We are all Americans and we need to come together to get through this crisis. I would like us to learn to speak kindly to one another and learn to listen and respect different viewpoints because you know what? The truth is nobody has all the answers. There's no doubt that COVID-19 is serious. It's deadly and it's a major concern for our society. The infections and death toll are increasing. I'm worried about my family, my community, and my country. My father is a Vietnam veteran, and I heard a statistic the, the other day that really stuck with me. So around 58,000 brave Americans lost their lives in the Vietnam War. The number of dead Americans from COVID-19 well exceeds that number. 
for some reason that really sticks with me. We have lost more people to COVID than we have in the Vietnam War. So again, this episode, I'm trying to lay out the different viewpoints. And the main goal is, isn't there a way for us to manage public health and still respect our constitution? Perhaps one middle ground position is wear the face mask, practice physical distancing, lower the capacity of people allowed in buildings, and let's do our very best to not shut down people trying to make a living or go practice their faith if they are in compliance. Also, I know a ton of beaches that nobody ever goes to, and I would really like to go sit on the beach with my family soon. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I thank you so much for listening to Lockdown Law. The information provided in this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available on this podcast are for general informational purposes only. Information in this podcast may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners of this podcast should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No reader or listener to this podcast should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information on this podcast without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Use of and access to this podcast or any of the resources contained within the podcast do not create an attorney-client relationship. The views expressed at or through this podcast are those of the individual author writing in their individual capacities only, not those of their respective employers. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast are hereby expressly disclaimed. The content on this posting is provided as is. No representations are made that the content is error-free.